the unknown. Mystery. Space. Have fun. Adventure. Suspense. Fantasy. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror. Welcome to Journey 190 of the Journey Into podcast, featuring The Screaming Woman by Ray Bradbury, as presented by Suspense. I am your guide on this journey, Marshall Latham, coming to you from base camp in the Treasure Valley. Hey everybody, welcome to this November And for us here in the United States, that means we will be celebrating Thanksgiving soon. Thanksgiving is that uh, middle child of end of the year holidays. Of course, Christmas is the big one, along with its analogous celebrations from religions other than uh, Christianity, like Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Festivus, those kinds of things. (laughs) And then uh, we just, of course, had Halloween in October. And so kind of stamped right in the middle there is Thanksgiving, which can be tied uh, back to the pilgrims and all of that, but is is really just an opportunity to be grateful and thankful for the blessings, great and small, that we have in our lives. And it's a great opportunity to gather as friends and family and, and those types of things. And I've never really provided you with an old-time radio show uh, focused around Thanksgiving. I've done some Christmas ones. I don't think I've done... Well, I've done horror-themed stuff um, in October around for Halloween. But a couple weeks back, I did a poll on the Patreon for Ray Bradbury stories that I could run as for the old-time radio show. And among those selections, but was not chosen for uh, to be the winner of that poll, was The Screaming Woman, uh, as presented by Suspense. And I've liked this story, or I should say this presentation, uh, for quite a while now. I don't think I've ever read the short story by Bradbury, but I've heard this presentation many times. And there's something about it that I really enjoy, and we'll talk more about that after you're able to listen to it. But of course, you know, the story is dated. Uh, This was presented on Suspense in uh, 1948, November 25th of 1948, to be exact. And, you know, it's it's a product of its time. Uh, It's representation of married relationships and parental relationships at the time may seem a little quaint, um, but that's also what I like about this story. And I I like going back in time and and being part of a a different experience, right? Uh, The things that I can only imagine 
from my parents' time. But this, you know, when this came out, my, my parents were not even teenagers yet. And I, I could go into a lot more, but like I said, we need to have you listen to the story before I talk much about it. The only thing that I will uh, talk about a little bit here is that this story hinges on the performance of a child actor. And that, that can typically make or break a production. Uh, in this case, I would say that it makes the production. Uh, the child actress that we're talking about in this case is Margaret O'Brien. And uh, she was known for, for many movie productions back in the 40s. Probably most prominently known for uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, where uh, Margaret performed alongside Judy Garland. And so, without further ado, come with me and let's journey into a 1940s celebration of Thanksgiving. Call the police. Do let her. She's such a sweet little thing. Sweet? She's a hoodlum. Oh, come on. Oh, let her Well, all right. <laughs> Go on. Go on. I was drunk last night, dear mother. I was drunk the night before. But if you'll forgive me, mother, I'll never get drunk anymore. <laughs> You're a very bad girl. It's really Lon's fault. He teaches her those things. Any time is turkey time. But when you have a luscious roasted turkey like this one on your table, then it's carving time. Carving is easy. There are many ways to carve a turkey. The method you are about to see is a new and easy one. at Margaret Leary Elementary spent a fun-filled day in honor of a fellow student. In just a moment, Autolite presents Suspense. Starring Margaret O'Brien. Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh. Why, Hap, Hap, that's not the way to sing hurrah for Thanksgiving Day. What are you telling me, Harlow Wilcox? Why, no, no, Hap, this is the way it goes today. Over the river and through the woods and never mind the snow. Grandpa is happy with his jalopy, his battery's never low. 
Over the river and through the woods, blow high ye winds, blow low. The car's as snappy as Grandma and Pappy, with an Autolite stay full, you know. But Harlow, Well, you not... see, Hap, Autolite stay full batteries have changed a lot of things today. Harlow isn't anything sacred anymore. It's Thanksgiving Day. Let's listen to Margaret O'Brien on Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starring tonight, Miss Margaret O'Brien in Anton Leder's production of The Screaming Woman. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I'm Margaret Leary, and I've got to tell you how it happened. It was Thanksgiving Day, and it was nice and sunshiny. Almost like summer, except cooler. Mama was cooking the turkey, and I was watching. And Mama said to me, Good heavens, I forgot. Your Aunt Cynthia's made some cranberry relish for us. Run over and get it, Margaret, so her feelings aren't hurt. And hurry, this turkey's down to a turn. So I ran to Aunt Cynthia's, and on the way back I took a shortcut through Mr. Kelly's lot. It's a big lot, more like the side of a hill that slides down to Monument Creek. It's a swell place to play Indians and cowboys, or explorers are hunting for treasures, because trucks dump all kinds of stuff there. Loads of dirt and junk, and even big things like old cars and big pipes and chunks of concrete. Well, this day, coming back from Aunt Cynthia's, I saw that a lot of new junk and dirt had been dumped there since Saturday. They'd even covered up our swell big concrete pipe that us kids called our fort. Covered it clear up. I was looking around to see where it used to be when, all of a sudden, I stopped and listened. The sound was coming up out of the ground. A woman was buried under the junk and dirt and glass, and she was screaming all wild and horrible for somebody to dig her out. I started to run. I fell down and got up and ran some more. It was an awful, awful long way to our house that day. Mama! Mama! Margaret? Mama, Mama! Oh, Margaret, haven't I told you not to slam the door? Is that the relish? Listen, Mama, there's a screaming woman in the lot. Wash your hands, Margaret. She was screaming and screaming and screaming. Mama, listen to me. We've got to dig her out. She's buried under tons and tons of dirt. I'm sure she can wait till after dinner. Oh, next year, I swear I'm going to buy a bigger platter. Mama, don't you believe me? You've got to believe me. Margaret, I've got a million things to do. Good gosh, look at you. How'd you get your knees so dirty? Well, when he back from the lot, I... Never mind. Scoot and tell your dad we're about to eat. He's in the front room reading his paper. Yes, Mama. Daddy! Oh, Daddy, I've got to tell you something. Getting hungry, baby? Daddy, there's a screaming woman in the lot. I never knew a woman who didn't. Hmm. Smell that turkey. We've got to get picks and shovels and dig her up, like for an Egyptian mummy. Oh, Daddy! Well, I don't feel much like an archaeologist today, Margaret. I can't think of anything but food. Let's have an expedition next Sunday and dig her up. But we can't wait that long. Oh, Daddy, she'll die if we don't do it now. I'll give you some money. Oh, so it's a business proposition. Well, how much do you pay by the hour? I've got five whole dollars. It took me a year to save. <laughs> Come here, put. You know I'm touched. Oh, but Daddy, You want I... me to play with you, and you're willing to pay me for my oh, but... time. My dear, you're shaking. 
calm down. Oh, Daddy, please. After our Thanksgiving dinner, I'll come out and listen to your screaming. Oh, but... How's that? Oh, no, now, Daddy. Maybe she'll die if you don't come out now. Oh, you've got to come now. Margaret. If you believe me, you wouldn't wait. You never believe me. Mama doesn't believe me. Ma- Nobody Margaret, believes me. quiet down right this minute. Oh, or but... I not only won't go with you, but you go to your room and stay in without oh. your Thanksgiving dinner. Now, is that clear? Yes, sir. It's clear. I always liked Thanksgiving, almost next best to Christmas. But that was an awful one. Dinner was a million years long. Everybody moved so slow, like a slow-motion movie. Forks and knives and spoons moved slow. And Dad's cheek muscles moved slow when he chewed. I don't try to make things faster. Margaret, you heard your mother now. Don't eat so fast. But, Daddy, the screaming woman, we've got to hurry. My dear young lady, this is Thanksgiving dinner, an occasion when we do not hurry. Oh, I intend to eat four or five helpings of everything until I can't eat any more. Then I'm going to make an extra effort and find room for pumpkin pie, a few walnuts, and stuffed dates. Oh, please, please, Daddy. Now, if you pester me anymore, if you mention her again, this screaming what's I won't go out with you to hear a recital at all. Understood? Yes, sir. It's understood. I wanted to yell. Oh, please, rush, get up, run around, come on, hurry. But I had to sit still, while out there in the lot with the sun shining down, all alone with nobody to hear or to help her, was the screaming woman. I could hear in my mind, screaming. Mom and Daddy couldn't hear. They just kept on eating and talking. Well... Now that I can be thankful for a full stomach, I guess we should consider what other things we have to be thankful for, hmm? Well, we're all healthy. Prices are sky high, but we're not in debt. Mm. Yet. Those are mundane things, my dear. I'm thankful for my big daughter. Right, Puss? Yes, Dad. And for my loving wife, who is still the most romantic woman I know. Oh, silly. I'm thankful I didn't marry somebody else. You nearly married Dora Lampell. Even gave her a ring. No, I never meant anything. No one... No. You're the only one who's been the serious competitor since we were all kids. Oh. There's only one. One Ooh. other. Helen Nesbitt. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Helen was my first love. When she was about as old as Margaret, I gave her a present one Christmas, and she gave me one, and I still have it. Oh, that paperweight on your desk. Mm-hmm. Funny how we hang on to things that were important when we were kids. Daddy. Just a little longer, boss. Warm up my coffee, will you, dear? You know what I'm thankful for, dear? Seriously. That we stayed here in this same town where we grew up. Here you are, dear. Thank you. The same friends. Even the same street. Mm, It's been a peaceful life. Not very exciting, but... Daddy! Margaret finds it pretty exciting. Yes. You better take her out to the lot before she collapses. All right, now, where is your screaming woman? Lead me to her. Over here, where our fort used to be. Fort? The big concrete pipe. It's all covered up now. Kelly's really getting this lot filled in. All right, where's the lady? Uh, Right about here, Daddy. Listen. Don't hear a thing. 
Except the wind. Better button up your sweater, folks. Shh. Listen. Well, that's the trolley over on Aspen Street. Hey, there. Screaming woman. Hey. Hmm. Looks like the Dolans are starting out for a drive. Well, I guess your screaming woman's let you down, Puss. But she was here, Daddy. Right under here where they dumped all this dirt. I heard her screaming and screaming like she was underneath the fort. Somebody's dumped tons and tons right on top of our fort. Yeah, too bad they buried your fort, Margaret. I saw two of Kelly's big trucks back in here last evening. There was a dump truck in here this morning, too. It isn't because they covered the fort. Ah, it must be your screaming woman doesn't like grown-ups. Only delivers her solo for kids, I guess. Maybe she can't scream anymore. Well, I'm going back and take a nap. Let my dinner settle. Well, aren't you going to help me dig? Now, listen, my dear. Don't you think this is a sort of a silly game? But it's not a game. Now, don't stay too long, dear. Mama probably likes some help with those dishes. Daddy! Daddy! I know I heard her scream. I know it. Oh, darn, darn, darn! You're there. You're still there. Hey, screaming woman! Why did you scream before? Why didn't you scream so Daddy could hear you? Don't just scream for me. I can't help you all by myself. Daddy! Daddy, where are you? Daddy! Daddy, she's screaming again. Right after you left, she started to scream. You've got to come back. Oh, there now. Come here. Let me feel your head. Please, Dad. Why, you've got a fever. You're going to lie down, young lady. We can't leave it down there, Dad. We just come can't. Come on along. Come on into your room. That's right. It's awful, Dad. It's awful for her to be screaming and nobody listening. Now, nobody listen, Gary. lie down, folks. Lie down. Now, come on. She'll choke where there isn't any more air and she'll die. Now, you're going to lie down the rest of the afternoon before you make yourself sick. No, I've got to dig. I've got to dig her up. All those comic books you read. Now, I forbid you to leave the house. Close your eyes now and take a nap. That's my good girl. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Miss Margaret O'Brien in radio's outstanding theater of thrills... Suspense. Carlo, I have a hunch you're going to give me another Autolite Stay Full battery Thanksgiving song. No, not me, Hap. No? No, sirree. By Cornelius, I'm going to tell a Thanksgiving story. It's a fable. <laughs> Couldn't be anything else if you told it. Now, listen to this, my trigger tongue trooper. Last year at this time, my car called me out to the garage. What? Quite a car, too, Hap. Once a year, she overhauls me. Wow, and on Thanksgiving Day, too. Harlow, she said, I have an empty feeling, and I'm so confounded thirsty all the time, I think you ought to do something about it. I'd like to end up Thanksgiving Day with that fine, full feeling that lulls you to sleep as soon as the mince pie disappears. Well, how, my pretty, says I, can all this be accomplished? Easy, she chimes. I need to switch to an Autolite stay-full battery. Why, with an Autolite stay-full battery, I'll never be thirsty. And if you use me normally, I'll need only three drinks a year. And what's more, with the oversized electrical capacity and fiberglass insulation of that Autolite stay-full battery, I'll have more power, stay lively longer, and save you time, trouble, work, and worry. 
And Harlow, for a fellow as lazy as you are, think what all this means. <laughs> well, when she came up with all those points in my favor, I hurried, I hastened, I hurdled till I was exhausted. And by Christopher, I got an Autolite stay-full battery and gave it to Clarissa. I call my car Clarissa. Oh. Thanksgiving morning. We took a spin, and I could tell she was happier than a penguin with skis. <laughs> Sounds like Harlow in Wonderland. Well, now, let's get back to Margaret O'Brien and the screaming woman. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Margaret O'Brien as Margaret in The Screaming Woman, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. After a while, I stopped crying. I had to get back to the lot where that woman was screaming. But I was locked in. I tied a sheet to the bed and let it out the window and chinned down to the ground. Then I ran to the garage and got shovels and ran to the empty lot. The sun was almost down and it was getting cold. I started to dig fast. Hiya, Maggie. It was Dippy Smith, who was ten years old, the same as me. He goes to my school. What you digging for? For a screaming woman. She's down in the ground and I'm going to dig her up. You can help me dig, Dippy. There's an extra shovel. I don't hear nothing. I don't dig unless I hear a scream. Then listen. I don't hear nothing. Just wait. You will. There. Did you hear it? Hey, that's okay. Do it again. Do what again? A scream. Do it again. Go on. I'll give you this Aggie to teach me to do it. Hot dog, did you get that ventriloquist book for a dime from that magic company? You got one of those ten things in your mouth? I, I, I won't tell unless you help me dig. Okay, swell. Give me the shovel. Hot dog. And, and you got to dig fast. Like this, Dippy. Boy, you think she was right under our feet. You're wonderful, Maggie. Say, what's the screaming woman's name? You must have made her up a name. Oh, sure. Her name is Wilma Schweiger, and she's a rich old lady, 160 years old. And she was buried by a crook named Spike. Come on, Dippy, dig. Keep digging. We can't stop, Dippy. Oh, I'm tired. I think I'll go home. Dippy, Dippy, stop. You can't. There really is a woman buried here. Well, sure. You said so, Maggie. Oh, don't you believe me? I wasn't throwing my voice. Come back, Dippy. Okay, but I'm getting tired of digging. Uh, now, look, Dippy. I'll go way over here, and then you listen. Okay. Listen. <laughs> hey, there really is a woman here. That's what I told you. Well, come on, let's dig. How's she breathing, do you think? I... I think she's in the fort. Remember? Sure. That's where she must be. Five or six of us kids could get in it so it's big enough. I sure hope it isn't just a radio or something. Well, a radio would be nice, too. Here, here. What do you kids think you're doing? Oh. oh. Hello, Hello, Mr. Mr. Kelly. Kelly. I'm tired of chasing you out of this lot. If one of you gets hurt, it may be your folks that sue me. But, Mr. Kelly, there's a woman screaming. You kids beat it, do you hear? Yes, sir. But listen, Mr. Kelly, don't you hear her? There. I don't hear a thing, and neither do you. Now, now, beat it. Come 
Mr. Kelly, somebody's got to dig her up. Don't argue with me or I'll phone your folks. This is my property. Do I have to put up a fence? Why should I spend money to keep people off my own property? Dippy, it's him. He's the one. Huh? He murdered Mrs. Kelly. He hit her on the head and stuck her in the fort and dumped loads of dirt on top. But she wasn't dead. She came to. Why, you saw him. He stood right there when she screamed and wouldn't pay any attention. Hey, that's right. He stood right there and lied to us. What'll we do, Maggie? There's only one thing to do. We'll phone the police and tell them to come and arrest Mr. Kelly. Hey, they sure got here fast, Maggie. Shh, don't make a sound. Mr. Kelly in the house? Yes, he went right home from the lot. Yes, officer. You, Mr. Kelly? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Is Mrs. Kelly at home this evening? Why, sure. Can I see her, sir? Why, sure. Hey, Anna. What's up? We got a call. Oh, good evening, ma'am. What is it? Oh. oh, I'm sorry, folks. We got a call that Mrs. Kelly was buried alive in an empty lot. Sounded like some kid calling, but we had to make sure. We always check, you know. Wait, I can't understand. It's what those blasted kids. If I ever catch them, I'll break their necks. Maggie, cheese it. Boy, if Mr. Kelly telephones my dad, I'll get a licking. What'll we do about the screaming woman? What the heck with her? I'm not going near that lot again. Wait, Dippy. Huh? I know why he didn't hear the screams. Kelly's sort of deaf. Mama says he's hard of hearing. He heard us, didn't he? He heard the cop. He reads people's lips, but he couldn't hear the screaming woman because he couldn't see her. Dippy, come on. We gotta dig some more. No, sir. But we've got to. We're already in a peck of trouble over your darn old ventriloquist voice. I'm not going to get in any more trouble. No, sir. And he went off and left me alone. I wanted to crawl down under the ground with the screaming woman and die, too. It was dark now, and Dad would be hunting for me. If he found me, I'd get a licking and be put to bed. And then nobody would help the screaming woman at all. There was only one last thing to do. So I did it. To go all over the neighborhood from house to house and find out who's missing. Why, hello, dear. Hello, Mrs. Griswold. Is anybody missing from your house? Is your sister from Detroit still here? Uh, yes, she's sitting right over there by the radio. Don't you see her? Em, little Margaret Leary wants... No, I, I only wanted to see her, Mrs. Griswold. I was just wondering. I just wanted to know if she was here. Hello, Mrs. Pikes. You're looking good. I'm glad to see you're at home, Mrs. Pikes. I'm awful glad. Mr. Hyde, is your wife still here? Dora, aren't you out pretty late, Margaret? Yes. Oh, hello, Mrs. Hyde. What is it, Margaret? I just wanted to see you, Mrs. Hyde. That's all. The hours were just rolling along, and I rang bells and knocked, and I rang bells. I was about to give up when I came to the Nesbitt's house. 
The house was quiet like nobody was at home. But I saw a dim, spooky light inside somewhere. So I just kept knocking and knocking. Oh. What do you want? Oh, nothing, Mr. Nesbitt. I only wanted to see Mrs. Nesbitt. She's not here. She's gone to the store. At night? Besides, it's closed today, I think. The drugstore down on Clark Street. Oh, well, then she ought to be back pretty quick. I'll come in and wait. Hey, wait, wait a minute. I'll just sit down here and wait. I sure like this rocking chair. Go right ahead and do whatever you were doing, Mr. Nesbitt. I wasn't doing anything. Oh, looks like you were packing or something, with all those boxes and trunks around. Going away? No, Helen's been sorting things out, getting rid of a lot of stuff. Oh, burning it up in the fireplace. Uh, yeah, that's right. Dad always burns our junk out in the alley. Clothes smell awful when they burn. Uh, look, kid, Helen may have gone on from the store to visit a friend. Well, if she doesn't come back soon, I'll leave. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell her you were here. What do you want to see her about? Oh, oh, nothing much. Hey, that's too bad. What? I guess you lost the key to that box. You had to break the lock. No, no, it was broken already. Yeah, I bet your folks don't know where you are, kid. No, sir. They think I'm in bed. What friend did Mrs. Nesbitt go to visit? Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, kid, I, I ought to tell you, she won't be back tonight. Oh? No. She went to the store, like I said, but she was going from there over to Beechwood to visit her mother on a bus. She'd be gone two or three days. Oh, that's a shame. Why? Well, Mama was expecting Mrs. Nesbitt to come over tomorrow. Maybe to sell. Hey, you, you better not tell your mother. Uh, you see, it's kind of secret about Helen going away. She, she doesn't want people to know for a while. Oh. Uh, you, you know how to keep a secret, kid? I guess so. Uh, I, I'll give you something for not telling. Uh, I'll give you a reward. Let's see. Hey, here, here's something for a kid. A doll. A doll? Yeah, Helen was going to give it to you. I heard her say when she was sorting the stuff, she said, I'll, I'll give this to the little Leary girl. Mrs. Nesbitt always calls me Margaret. Well, sure, that's what she said. Margaret, that's quite a doll. Old-fashioned. It's made of leather. Face is china or something, see? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Nesbitt. It's a reward for not saying anything about Helen being gone. Understand? Now, come on. I'll snap on the porch light. Uh, Mr. Nesbitt, did you finish your driveway? What do you mean? Did you get all the dirt hauled off to make it smooth? Sure, sure. Now, come on. I saw your dump truck in the lot this morning and... What do you mean? Were you in the lot this morning? No, no, I, I was at home. I looked out the window. Please, Mr. Nesbitt, let go of my arm. You've been playing out there today. Answer me. Oh, don't. That hurts. I wasn't playing. It's no fun now with our fort all covered up. The and... fort... What's that? Nothing. Nothing, Mr. Nesbitt. Tell me what you're talking about. Nothing but that old concrete pipe. You know something. That's why you came here. You've been snooping around that lot and you found out something. What do you know? I don't know anything. Let me go, Mr. Nesbitt. If you don't let me go, I'll... There! Come back! If you come back, kid, I'll give you something else. I'll give you something else. Come back, kid. Come back. Mr. Nesbitt yelled because I kicked and bit his hand. Then I ran, but I heard him running after me. It was dark and quiet and scary on the streets, and more scary out there in the lot. I ran straight across the place where I heard the screaming, and it was so quiet. 
And all of a sudden, there was a man in the lot, right in front of me. Stop, Margaret. Oh. Margaret? Oh, oh, Daddy. Margaret, where have you been? Do you have any idea how your mama's worried? Do you know how late it is? Daddy, Daddy, he's after me. We've been Mr. up Nesbitt. and down alleys and clear down to Clark Street. I was about to call the police. The screaming woman. It's Mrs. Nesbitt down there. I'm going to give you a good licking. Mr. Nesbitt killed her, and now he wants to kill me. I've had all of that idiotic talk I can stand. It's you... true. You've got to believe Margaret, me. I'm going to lick you right now, right here. I've had enough of... What have you got there? Where did you get that doll? Why, I, I gave it to O'Leary. <laughs> Kids stopped by the house, and I, I remembered... Helen said she wanted to throw it away. Helen said to throw it away? He's lying, Dad. He gave it to me so I wouldn't tell about her. It was locked up in a box. He didn't have the key. He broke it open. <laughs> She's a high-strung kid, Leary. All the stuff she was telling me. He's lying, Dad. Yes, he is lying. Why are you lying, Charlie? Lying? How do you get that, Leary? Helen never let you have that doll. It was locked up. That was a present I gave her a long time ago. She wouldn't throw it away anymore, and I'd throw away the paperweight she gave me. Why are you lying, Charlie? I'm not. Don't look at me that way, Leary. As God is my witness, I... It's her. Dad, it's the screaming woman. As God is your witness. No, Leary, don't! Oh, oh. Margaret, run to the house. Phone the police and tell them to hurry. Tell them we've got to dig. Hello? Hi, Dippy. Everything's fine. Everything's worked out keen. The screaming woman isn't screaming anymore. And they've got a lot of people down there digging her up. Hey, that's swell. Hot dog. And you know what else, Dippy? They're going to uncover our fort again. Oh, Dippy, wasn't it a keen Thanksgiving? Thank you, Margaret O'Brien, for a splendid performance. Miss O'Brien will return in just a moment. Oh, no, that Autolite Stayful battery fable wasn't bad, coming from a fairly fabulous fibber. Ah, oh, but you haven't heard all of it, Hap. Why, bye, Cornelius. Clarissa, that's my car, uh -huh. spoke to me again this morning. Thanks to you, she said, and that Autolite Stayful battery, this has been the happiest year of my life. Why, even these cruel cold mornings, I've got that Autolite pep, that Stayful battery get up and go. Well, Clarissa, I says to my gas buggy, you're the queen of the May, the lass with the delicate air, and the pride of Wilcox Alley all in one. What do you want now, my Thanksgiving precious? And she says, just to go to sleep out in the garage once again. Why, Harlow, you can even use my Autolite Stay Full battery for a pillow. Happy slumber and good night, everybody. And remember, Autolite means batteries. Stay full batteries. Autolite means spark plugs. Ignition engineered resistor spark plugs. Autolite means ignition systems. The lifeline of your car. And now here again is Miss Margaret O'Brien. It's been just wonderful being on suspense. And I hope you'll let me come back again sometime. We will, Margaret. 
And now let me tell our listeners about next week. Claude Rains and Vincent Price in the famous mystery story, The Hands of Mr. Ottermole. Another gripping study in suspense. Margaret O'Brien appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture The Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Allison. Tonight's suspense play was by Ray Bradbury, adapted for radio by Sylvia Richards, with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Rosalind Russell, James Cagney, Ronald Coleman, William Bendix, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear Claude Rains and Vincent Price in the hands of Mr. Ottermole. This is the Autolite Suspense Show signing off. Good night. Switch to Autolite. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. So there you go. There is The Screaming Woman by Ray Bradbury, as adapted and presented by Suspense. So I already tipped my hat at the beginning of this that I really enjoy this episode. And it just sticks with me. I've thought about it quite a bit over the years. And I don't know if it's just the thought of this woman having been buried alive and the frustration and anxiety of this kid, knowing that there's somebody down there and nobody will help her. And every attempt to save this woman is blocked in one way or another, mostly by adults around her, right? I, I, I Maybe that's what it is, too, that I relate to that feeling as a child of relying on parents and adults for the things that I need or want in my life. You know, I, I'm not big enough to do things. I don't know enough. I don't have any money aside from my, my parents. I don't have a car. I don't have any way uh, to take care of myself without adults. And no, you know, nobody will take me seriously without an adult. And so that whole time where she's trying to talk to her mother and her mother just pushes her off and says, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, and that this is a Ray Bradbury theme, too. You know, I think of, of stories like The Velt and uh, Zero Hour, which I know I've presented on this podcast, uh, where it's just this point of view of the children and the parents don't pay enough attention or don't take their children seriously. And it's frustrating. I remember that feeling as a child, uh, you know, trying to interpret the adult world. They, but their priorities and their cares were different than mine. And, you know, it's just a totally, now as an adult, I can understand both points of view, right? But now I'm probably more locked into that adult. But I, I would hope that if my daughter came to me and was really upset about this woman that she heard screaming underground that I would take her a lot more seriously than this dad did. And I know, like I said at the beginning, it, it's a product of its time, right? You know, these, these parents, and, and I would think that even back in the forties, you know, that this girl wasn't making up stories. She, she was really upset and she was worried about this woman and she was, you know, emphatic and her parents just brushed her off. Her dad, you know, was like, oh, well, we'll go play a, your game later. 
And as frustrating as that was in this story, I, I think that's one of the things I like about it. I can relate to that. But yeah, it's horrific. Oh, oh and one thing that I, I didn't tell you at the beginning, and I didn't know this until uh, I had heard the mysterious old Radio Listening Society guys on their podcast talk about it, that the screaming woman buried underground was played by Agnes Moorhead, who is, you know, the queen of old time radio, right? But there's a performance there, right? If the screaming, if you don't believe that that really is a woman that's trapped and desperate and dying, that's buried in the earth, you're not as invested in the story, right? And they, the mysterious old radio listening society guys talked about how, um, there's, there's another production of this years later, I think in 1955, I looked it up, but I haven't listened to this version of it because mostly because of what they said, but this 1955 version of it has the exact same script, but a different child actress, a different screaming actress. And I don't, I don't know if the parents made a difference, but it's not as good and you don't like the story as much. And they didn't like the story as much because of the performance. But yeah, this Mark, Margaret O'Brien, I've never heard of her until this. And it makes, makes me interested to, to look up uh, some of her old movies, maybe, and check it out. But yeah, like I, like I said at the beginning, you know, a child actor can kill a, a production. You can have a great script, an awesome director, and, and a bunch of good actors... But if the child actor, especially in something like this, where it depends on that child actor, it, it could kill the whole thing because you're just tired of listening to this kid and you can tell they're acting and they're not very genuine, you know, unless you have a Haley Joe Osment, Macaulay Culkin, you know, those types. And, you know, Rish Outfield and I have talked endlessly. Well, not endlessly. <laughs> We've talked a lot on delusions of grandeur and things about Jake Lloyd, how it, it was sad that he took so much heat for his portrayal of young Anakin Skywalker, but it wasn't his fault. He was just a kid, right? But yes, a lot of people complain about his performance. And I think he wishes that he never would have been cast in that movie because of the fallout. And, and it's affected his entire life and his career and everything. And it's just so hard to find those really good child actors. You know, somebody like a Ron Howard who can just hit it. They, they have something about them, some knowledge of human behavior. Even if they don't understand what it is, they have that ability to act and project real emotions or effective enough emotions, I guess, and realistic behavior that you buy it. And Margaret Leary, <laughs> well... Margaret O'Brien, the name of the character is Margaret Leary. I'll, I'll get back to Margaret Leary in a minute. And, I, and I'm sure that helps, right, to have the character named the same name as the child. Um, but I don't think Margaret O'Brien would have needed that. I think she I think she was around, the, I, think, I think I heard that she was around 12 or 13 years old when, when this production happened. So yeah, that, that's, she, did, she does do a fantastic job. And there's a difference between her performance as a narrator versus when she's in character. Um, anyway, I, I thought she did a great job. I, I was with her. I wanted her to figure it out. And I was frustrated by all these adults that kept knowing better than her, even though she was spot on. 
Um, but yeah, there is that horrific idea of being buried alive. And I've talked a lot about that in regards to Edgar Allan Poe. You know, that was one of the things that he would continually go back to. And maybe that's what inspired Ray Bradbury in this story was he was, he was uh, aping a little bit of Poe or something. But yeah, to hear this woman screaming under the earth and trying to help her escape, that, that's kind of a horrific idea, right? And I love how I love how it plays out. You know, her dad doesn't hear it. It was kind of like <laughs> watching Sesame Street as a kid and poor Big Bird was trying to convince people that there was a Snuffleupagus, but every time people showed up, Snuffleupagus was gone. And I remember being frustrated watching Sesame Street with that. Uh, it was kind of the same thing. Oh, I don't hear I don't hear anything. I, I guess only you children can hear this. Ha ha ha. You know, and then as soon as her dad goes away, she hears the woman screaming again. Uh, she convinces her friend, what was his name? Dippy? <laughs> oh, poor kid named Dippy to help her dig. But eventually he got tired of it, you know, because it was just a game to him until he finally realized that it actually was a woman screaming. But then the landlord shows up or whatever and kicks them off. And yeah, I just, I just really like how, but she doesn't stop, right? Even when she is sent to her room for the day and is supposed to take a nap because she's, she's so upset and feverish, you know, she sneaks out again and she goes, she takes the responsibility on herself to go and visit all these houses that she knows. And I, and I picture, I think this, you know, this was obviously like a suburban type town. And I just picture the town that I grew up in, the small town in, in Montana that I grew up in. And I knew all the houses there and I could go and I could say, Oh, is your wife here? You know, I, of course, <laughs> as I always talk about, I was the paper boy. So I knew who lived in which house and whatever, but yeah, she goes house to house trying to see if there's any missing women. And the last house that she goes to just happens to be this guy. And the more she talks to him, the more she realizes something is wrong and his story isn't adding up in these things. And it really becomes like a detective type show at that point. And then she's truly in danger because he catches on to her and then she's able to escape, but she's being chased. And so... Yeah, all that stuff is really, really good. And then, of course, you have uh, Chekhov's paperweight. <laughs> I talked in a in a recent Patreon address about uh, the the movie Megan, where at the beginning of the movie they introduced this this robot that was made, and then you forget all about that. And then at the end of the movie, well, spoilers upcoming for the movie Megan. <laughs> But this this robot comes to, to play a part at the end of the movie when they're fighting against Megan for their lives and everything. And, and I was talking about that. And we have it here. You know, we have this whole conversation between Margaret's parents about the, the father's first crush or the first person that he fell in love with. And he still has a paperweight to remember her by. And obviously the his wife feels secure enough in their relationship that, that she takes it all in stride and doesn't you know, feel like he's cheating on her or anything. But that all comes back to this same woman that he had a crush on when he was a kid is the same woman that is buried down underneath the, the courtyard or whatever. And he's kept her paperweight and she's kept his doll, his leather doll, 
that uh, that he gave her. And, you know, there's an interesting story to be told there, right? Why didn't they get together? Why did they find other people and get married to different people? But anyway, and that keys the father into that his daughter is telling the truth and this man is lying. And we find out at the end, kind of in the little two-second, one-minute wrap-up of the story, that, uh, yeah, they were able to save the woman in the well. Agnes Moorhead was able to be unburied and saved. (laughs) I don't know. I really like this story. And I can see where people would say they didn't like it because of how frustrating it is with the adults. (laughs) Or when the father says, when, when the, when, when Margaret says, there's a screaming woman in the courtyard (laughs) and the dad's like, well, I've never known a woman not to be a scream, not to scream. You know, some of that misogynistic type language could turn people off. But again, it's a product of its time. And I just like stories like this that are told from a kid's perspective that involve, you know, some insidious things going on, but it's almost in the peripheral, you know, similar to like Stephen King with Lean on Me or, or whatever. A child's perspective is always unique and refreshing because they're experiencing things in their life for the first time. You know, the idea of death, the idea of, of danger. And it's, it's always a reminder to me of parents should listen to their children, even if their children, even if the, the child is mistaken about something or isn't seeing things the way they really are it's still important that you listen to them. It's still important that you take what they say as important and teach them something about that or, you know, use it as a, as a moment to understand them better and to help them understand the real world because to them it's, it's all a mystery and they need to know that they're safe, that there's somebody that they can rely on that will listen to them. And I'm sure I've been guilty, but anyway, yeah, just, I'm going off quite a bit here on this. But again, the the performances in this story are really good. And I I might go back and listen listen now to that 1955 version of this story with different actors and and see what the difference is. But uh, maybe I'll put the link to that in the show notes of this episode so that if you want to listen to the other uh, version of the story, you can. Oh, and, and to get back to, I said I'd say something about Margaret Leary. <laughs> that kind of stood out to me when I heard this again, because uh, I went to Margaret Leary Elementary School when I was a kid. And I'm sure, it's just a coincidence, I'm sure the school that I went to in Montana was dedicated to somebody that was local that did something in the community or you know was part of the school board or something like that in honor of them. It was called Margaret Leary. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> so every time I heard Margaret Leary, I guess I only say it a couple times in there. It's like, oh, that probably is. Uh, and I know that doesn't mean anything to you. But, you know, that was just one more little thing that uh, helps me enjoy this story, I guess. But as far as Ray Bradbury goes, I think this is, is another great story from him. You know, this is not a fantasy story. This is not a science fiction story. You know, those are the things that, that Ray Bradbury is known for. But he also has done a lot of mainstream, you know, normal, you know, this is a like a crime story, right? And he's he's done a lot of just normal stories too. 
just of life, life in the small town or whatever. But there's usually something compelling in the story that he's telling. But it doesn't necessarily have to be fantastical or science fiction. I think this is a great illustration of, of effective storytelling uh, without all the extra added stuff. Let me know what you thought. Did you like this story? What did you like about it? Do you agree with me on, on my take? Or what's something else that you took, took away from it that I, that I haven't mentioned? Uh, you can always feel free to uh, email me at journeyintopodcast at gmail.com. I welcome your comments. Uh, if you're on Patreon, you can just post a comment under this episode. You can also comment on my Facebook post for this or on X. <laughs> it's hard for me to, it's really strange for me to say that. Um, but I'm also now on Instagram under Journey Into and uh, Threads which is kind of like a Twitter substitute done by the same people as Facebook and Instagram. I've been posting uh, episodes up on threads now as well. So you could comment on, on my threads post or my Instagram post. Um, however you, you want to uh, comment on this story, uh, I'd love to hear from you. There is also the voicemail line at 77JN2107 if you want to leave a voicemail for me. But I will uh, let you go. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving or just a happy November if you're not in the U.S. And I'll be back uh, next month with uh, with more old-time radio shows. I'm also going to be putting out some of the contest winners from the Quell writing contest that I did. So trying to get at least a couple of those out before the end of the year. Uh, but until then, stay safe out there and journey on. The Journey Into Podcast is produced under Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means that you are encouraged to share this podcast with as many people as you would like. Uh, But please don't change it or sell it and let people know where you got it from. move out of the sun. Come with me as we move out of the sun. Oh, and while we're talking about women screaming, my wife and I always laugh in when we're watching a movie and the woman screams. I mean, you expect it in like a horror movie or something like that. It's a very common trope. But even in regular type shows, you see these women screaming incontrollably and it's not that there's like a mouse or you know something that would startle them it's you know they walk upon a a deadly scene or you know something like that and it's just such a trope that it's expected when you're watching a tv show or a movie but in real life how many women see something like that and just scream i mean i'm sure there are people that do but typically i would think they would like you know, freeze up or run away or, you know, be quiet or like moan or, you know, something, not just stand there with their hand over their mouth screaming.
<laughs> I know, you know, everybody's different, but that always makes me laugh. And my wife and I kind of chuckle every time we see that when we're watching something. Uh, but at least in this case, the the woman screaming was screaming for a reason, right? She she was screaming to be heard because she was going to suffocate and die. So it's it's justified here. And of course, if you were being attacked by somebody, you would want to scream and be heard so that people may come and help you. I under, I get that, but it's just the aghast screaming when they walk in on a dead person or something like that, or they scream and then faint. You know, how many women actually faint when they see something traumatic like that? I mean, I'm sure men and women both faint and both men and women scream, but it's just, uh, it's pretty hilarious and I get a kick out of it. But back to this story, I guess. Of of not listening to my kids enough, you know. And so, hopefully, most of the time I have. <laughs> I think I've done okay. Sometimes my kids tell me things that I did or said or whatever that I don't even remember. And they're like, oh yeah, I cried when you did this or said that. I'm like, what? Like my son was t- telling me this story about how I told him to quit playing with a ball and he wouldn't stop. And I picked up the ball and I opened the door and I threw it out. To me, I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I didn't do that. No way. But my wife and him <laughs> say that that's what I did. But, you know, he he's adamant that he remembers that. To him, that was a huge moment. And he remembers it till this day that I did that because I was mad at him for, for and then I chucked it. I mean, that's mean. I wouldn't do that. But evidently I did. I don't, I don't like to admit that or think that I would have done that, but you know, so there's a, there's an example of me not listening, not being there for my son and just caring about my own impatience or whatever. 